but let's, uh, let's dive into it, if we will. The, this is actually part two of a series called $3 Worth of God. $3. There's a lot of people, they only want $3 worth of God. I got this title from a poem. Um, I want to give credit to the author, but as I was looking it up, about 17 people took credit, so then I said, none of you get credit. <laughs> I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a warm cup of milk. A snooze in the sunshine. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. I think we all have friends who only want $3 worth of God. They, don't, they, they want to make sure they go to heaven. They don't want to go to hell. They want to be blessed. And that's where it stops. They want $3 worth of God. They come to church just enough to make sure they have fire insurance. At least I'm not going to hell. $3 worth of God. In contrast, there's other people that either say this psalm out loud or in their own words, they feel it in here. It's in Psalms 27, verse 4, where the psalmist, he doesn't want $3 worth of God. Instead, he's lived enough life. He's skied it. He's jumped it. He's got the T-shirt. He doesn't care about the car or the house anymore. He doesn't care that he's got a Dooney and Burke or whatever. It, he doesn't care about it. Now, he's saying this, this one thing, this one thing I want, this only will I seek. To dwell in the house of the Lord. This is all I want. This is, if you could rip my heart open, this is what you would find. All I want is to, to worship in the house of the Lord. All I want is to gaze at the beauty of his face. All I want is to worship him in his temple. This is the cry of their heart. And so many of you... Maybe you don't, you haven't memorized Psalms 27, verse 4, but when I say it, you sit there and you go, yeah, that's me. You sit there and say, I'm not perfect. I make a lot of mistakes. I've sinned probably more than anybody in this room, but you just described how I feel. And that's how what I say to the Lord. I say, God, you see I mess up. You see I do crazy. You see I do stupid things. You see I've sinned more than everybody on the planet all put together. But there is still one thing I want. And there's one thing I desire. Are you with me? Say yes. Put your hands together for that, please. Isaiah had the opportunity to actually be in the throne room of God. In the throne room and there was a few things that happened and he separated them by saying and then and then and then 
He said, he said, I, I, I was in his presence, and he said these words. He goes, I, I saw him, and then I said, it's over for me. I'm about to die because I'm a sinful man. And then right after that, he says this, and then an angel came down with a coal off the altar. Think about a hot coal in a barbecue pit. A hot coal off the altar, and he laid it on his lips. And when that hot coal hit his lips, all the guilt was gone. One of the hardest parts about coming to church is feeling guilty. Guilty about the past 24 hours, 48 hours, the last week, the last year. And what's so interesting is that when Isaiah felt so guilty, the only thing he had to do was just get in the presence of God, and he could sense all the guilt going away. That's the wonderful thing about the Lord. He doesn't want you to pay for your sin. He doesn't want you to sit there and feel guilty. He just says, come into my presence. I will send an angel. You won't even be able to see him. He'll just come and just lay a coal on your altar and take all that guilt away. That's why when you're in here right now, you may have woke up this morning and said, I, feel, I, I don't want to go to church. I'm just, I'm this, I'm that. I'm like that. And then you sit here and you don't feel the way you felt this morning. What happened is an angel of the Lord came down and placed a coal on your lips and took away your guilt and removed your sin. And then, this was the third and then, the Lord said, who shall I send? And Isaiah raised his hand and he said, send me. He just, he just went from feeling so sinful that he was about to die. And then all of a sudden, God cleansed him and made him into this new person. And then this third moment where he's just saying, you know what, please just use me and send me. When you begin to read his letter, he begins to start saying things that he wants us to know. And when he, he not only wants us to know certain things, but he wants us to, to take it and own what he wrote. Let me give you an example. In Isaiah chapter 49, verses 1 and 2, he informs you, but then when he's informing you, he's wanting you to own it. So, in other words, it says this. He says, in his own words, when I was in my mother's womb, he knew me. Before I was born, he called my name. He wants you to know that. He, he stood in the presence of God and went from feeling condemned to pure, to volunteering, saying, God, use me for something. And he's saying this. He goes, hey, if you're anything like me, just know this. He knew you before you were born, and he called your name while you were in your mother's womb. The next time you think to yourself, I don't know if God's got a significant plan. I was out to lunch with somebody recently and he was almost in tears. He goes, it crushes me that people have significant lives and mine isn't. And I'm sitting here going, God, I wanted to make a scene in the restaurant. God called your name when you were in your mother's womb. He called your name. And then part two, verse two of the same chapter, he says this. He says, I have made your mouth like a sharpened sword. I have concealed you in the shadow of my hand 
Some of you have lived through seasons of your life. You should not be here right now. You should not be. Raise your hand if you almost died at least once in your life. Raise it really high. Come on, raise it. You should not be here right now. But he hid you in the shadow of his hand. I'm looking at Paul over there and he told me his testimony about cops chasing. He's going to tell his own testimony one day. Cops were chasing him. And I said, what changed your life? He goes, the car was airborne and I was in the air. And all of a sudden I asked myself, what are you doing? I'm sitting here listening to his testimony. I'm like, Paul, will you just stand up just so everybody can see who you are and just wave your hand at everybody. I'm sitting here. When he said the car was airborne, I went, I, I thought you said airborne. I'm <laughs> sorry. God shielded him in the shadow of his hand. He shielded you in the shadow of his hand. Like a polished arrow, he's made you and hid you in his quiver. This is what Isaiah had to share. There are seasons where you walk through and you go, God, if you called me, why am I praying so much, but I'm not seeing anything happen? He mentioned that. In Isaiah chapter 49, the same exact chapter, just a few verses later, he says this, at just the right time, he will respond to you. I want to encourage you to look back over your life. Look back. I know in the moment, because I'm feeling you, I'm believing God for things too. In the moment, it's like, are you going to respond? But when we look back, we go, you've always responded. Am I right? Say yes. He has always responded. And the reason why he's always responded is because of the same thing that he did with Isaiah. Isaiah felt broken, and then he cleansed him, and then he sent him. He did that same exact thing with you, or he's doing it with you right now. He called you. He's purified you. He's sending you for something significant. He loves you so much that in Isaiah 49, verse 16, it says that he wrote your name on the palm of his hand. In another version of the Bible, it says that he tattooed your name on the palm of his hand. I didn't know God liked tattoos until Isaiah 49, 16. He tattooed your name on the palm of his hand. If you're a mom in this room, don't email me and say, my son wants a tattoo and I told him no and now he's saying his pastor, blah, 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 blah. Look, I don't have any tattoos, all right? I'm not going to get a tattoo, but God seems to like tattoos. Just leave it alone, okay? Oh, jeez. That was a rabbit. <laughs> he tattooed your name on the palm of his hand. He loves you. He's consumed with you. And in that moment where you say, I don't know what's happening, there's a, a, a great verse that I want to share before um, I move on to this next point in my message. It's in Isaiah 62, verses 6 and 7. It says this, Those of you who pray, give yourself no rest and give God no rest until he has done what he promised. Man, Isaiah, 
Isaiah stood in the presence of God. He felt condemned. He felt consumed. He felt the purification that you have felt this morning or you have felt at some point in your life or you will feel at the end of this service. He, he said, God, I want you to use me. And then he backed up and he says this. There's going to be seasons in your life where you're going to be praying and you're going to be calling out to God and you're going to say, what's up? I've been praying. What's going on? I'm tired of waiting. And he says this. Give yourself no rest. Don't stop. And have this attitude of God, I'm not going to give myself rest. And guess what? I'm not going to give you rest either. I'm going to keep banging at this thing. I'm going to drive you crazy. Raise your hand if you have a kid that is younger than 12 years old. Raise your hand. If you keep it up, and if you have kids that are older than 12, maybe they're 52, but they were once 12, raise your hand. <laughs> If your hand went up, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They get something they want on their mind and they drive you crazy. I overheard a little boy telling his best friend, I know how to get to my dad. I know how to get to him. I just keep asking and asking until he goes nuts and then I keep asking, I keep asking. How many of you have a kid that has this philosophy? I'm talking about mine, by the way. His name is Luke. If you're watching online, I know what you're up to. <laughs> they just keep asking until you just can't take it anymore. Can I get on a computer and watch YouTube? Can I get on a computer and watch YouTube? No, 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 no. Shut up! Get on the stupid computer! Are you with me? Say yes. yes. Give yourself no rest and give God no rest. So why do I have to do all that praying? Why don't you just give it to me the first time? The relationship that develops in the process of ask, seek, knock is far deeper and, far, and reaches far further than if he were to just say yes. God can change what's happening to you in a moment but what's happening in you is far more important I'd like for uh, Jennifer to come down please uh, Jennifer Cartwright I want her to come down I want her to share her testimony because the message that I've been preaching the message that I've been sharing the season that we've been in is that miracles have been happening in our church for the last nine or ten months and when I'm talking about these messages, what I'm trying to do is to say, look, what happened with Isaiah still happens today. Yeah. And we share testimony after testimony. If you read it in the Bible and somebody's relationship with God got accelerated, that means your relationship with God can be accelerated. If you read someone in the Bible who got healed, that means you can experience the healing. God has no favorites. Somebody say, that's so good to hear. Go ahead. So good to hear. Look at the person next to you and say, is that your real hair color? Go ahead. Go ahead. Jennifer, something really special happened to you, and um, I heard it this morning for the first time, and my faith went from, from wherever it was to to the stratosphere, and I know it's going to do the same thing. Tell everybody your story. Here, come up real close. 
So my name is Jennifer Cartwright. My husband Ryan and I have been coming to Celebration Church since January of this year. Um, just a couple weeks ago, we I just felt desperate to be in the house of God. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but we were praying at home, reading the word, and I just knew that that Sunday was for, for me. I needed to be here. And, uh, we came in, and things that my husband and I had been praying for for four years or more, God just began, even in the worship service, to speak to me in the in the pew back there. We sit by the camera. Um, God just began to minister to me, and I was just overwhelmed with his goodness. The message was on point, just speaking to us directly, it felt like. Um, and for the prayer service, um, Pastor Frankie, every time he calls out on Sunday, I know it doesn't have to be exactly what you say. I, I know we don't have to be here to be healed, but every time he calls out somebody, I'm like, Lord, is this my week? Is this my week for the things that we've been praying for? And so he called out tendonitis, and I thought in my head, nope, that's not me, but I'm going to pray. Um, so I began just to pray. The thing is, he also said arthritis. Two years ago, I was diagnosed with arthritis in my knees. I'm 35 years old. We have stairs in our home. I work in a skilled nursing facility. There are stairs there. And I can't climb stairs without pain. I have stabbing pain in my knees when I try to climb. Um, I can tell you better than a weather app when rain is coming, when the pressure changes. Um, and there are times where standing in my kitchen to prepare food is just painful. Um, and I feel bad for my husband because he has to hear how much it hurts. So as we're in the service, I just began to pray. I said, Lord, I don't have tendonitis, but I just pray for this person. I believe it was a young lady that came up front. And I just continued to pray. And when he called out arthritis, I said, Lord, I know how painful that is. I have it. And I just pray that you would minister and heal um, whoever it is, God. And as I'm praying, I feel this warmth and soothing healing across my, my knees. And I'm very silly said to the Lord, I wasn't praying for me, God. And then I thought, then I thought, Lord, if you want to do this, I'm okay with it. So just go ahead. So I continued just to praise the Lord. My husband is 6'5". I'm a whole foot shorter than he is. So when we're walking places, he usually gets there first. But as we get out of the church, I beat him to the truck. And I told him at the door, I said, I got two things to tell you when we get in the truck. And the first one, he, precious man, barely had a chance to get in there. And I tell him, God told me about what we've been praying about, and this is how he's going to do it. He's going to accomplish it, and bam, 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 and that was it. And I look over. He's finally sitting in the truck, and I tell him, and the second thing is, I feel like somebody rubbed Bengay on my knees. And I'm telling him, I'm like, I'm telling you from my knees all the way down. Two, two months ago or a few months ago, I was diagnosed with arthritis in my feet as well. And for the rest of that day, it felt like I was getting massaged from my knees to the bottom of my feet. I had one sharp pain in the left knee, and all I said to the Lord was, that's okay. You move, and you remake, and you do whatever you need to because I am healed. Um, I stood up in the kitchen. I prepared food, no pain in my feet at all, and I did it barefoot just because I wanted to know that God had healed me. So the next morning, Monday morning, I'm supposed to serve breakfast to the residents in our skilled nursing facility. So what does a girl do when she feels like she's been healed? She puts on high heels, and she goes to work. And I'm telling you, I walked all over that dining room. I walked all over that dining room, got those trays passed out. I had no pain, none at all. And I thank God because it wasn't anything I expected. It wasn't anything I had prayed for, but he thought enough of me to heal my knees because he knew the problem that it was. And I'm thankful. That is so good. That is so good. It's so good. 
Would you stand up on your feet? You know, um, I, I was sitting down with a pastor recently, and um, I told him, I said, look, at the end of every service, I never really know what's going to happen because I don't plan for it. I just want to see what the Holy Spirit's going to do. And he goes, isn't that scary? I was like, yeah, it's very scary. <laughs> I like everything. And uh, he said to me, he goes, you know, I've never, because I've never left room for the Holy Spirit before. And, uh, and I thought to myself, it's one of the scariest moments in my life and you know what I'm talking about when you're like God I don't know how this is going to happen I don't know how this is ever going to get better but I, I need you to help me and then you just have to wait isn't that that's an excruciating week it's an excruciating month sometimes it's an excruciating year but there's just some things that only his presence can do and if we don't invite him, if we don't make room for him, then we're on our own. Now, you may feel more comfortable because you're in control, but nothing's happening. You just stay in that state. You know, the presence of God still moves the same way he always has. And so if you heard anything this morning and something sparked in you if you heard me talking about Isaiah and something sparked in you if you heard Jennifer's testimony about their healing about her healing and all of a sudden something sparked in you I just want you to know right where you're standing the healing virtue of God will touch you the only thing I ever ask is to encourage us let us know what god's done to you go to the church website and email us and tell us if you don't share your testimony you are stealing the glory of god if i try to take credit for you getting healed i'm stealing his glory nobody needs to touch his glory are you with me say yes would you just raise your hands in this room and just if you would I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Lord, it's embarrassing to say that we make room for you because this is your house. This is your house. We're here to worship you. We're here to stand in your presence. So Lord, I ask for your Holy Spirit just to move from one side of the room to the other just to move from one side of the room to the other. I'd like our prayer partners to come down. If you need a healing in your body, I want you to think about where you need to be healed, and I just want you to start saying thank you as if it was already done. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can put your arms down. Everybody look at me for a minute. In Psalms 56, 9, 
It says, every time you pray, the tide of the battle turns. Everyone here is fighting a battle that no one here knows about. I want you to know that when you pray, the tide of the battle turns. Whether you need a healing in your body, whether it's a financial need, whatever it is, I want you to come out of your seat. I want you to take the hand of a prayer partner down here. I need somebody to help me with what I'm trying to say. Many of you know what I'm trying to say. Your vertebrae is broken up into three different parts. There's the top part, and then there's a middle part, and then there's a lower part from a doctor's perspective. The center part, I think, is called, it's, it's usually labeled this the C, um, what is it? Thoracic? This is this the seer? All right, what's the middle called? Thoracic. Okay. Is it you? I knew it. I need to pray for you. Um, what's your name? Ellie? I knew the Lord wants me to pray for that person. Um, but this is the way the thought came to my mind. Do you, if you have a, a doctor that has said, this is where your problem is, and he named it in that particular area, I want to pray for you. And Ellie may not be the only one. I knew there was one. I knew there was one. And you're going to get healed because you came down before, before I called it before I called it, before it came to my mind. That means the Lord put it in your mind and said, today's your day. You came down, and then I caught up to what you and the Lord have already done. Would you just put your hands up right now? You're going to receive your healing in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Every part of your vertebrae, in the name of Jesus. Every part every nerve every nerve every muscle every part of your vertebrae in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus whatever it is I want you to come out of your seat right now right now there's no official dismissal but the Lord is moving in this place he's moving in this place